care. Uh, so ladies, those of you that work in the nursery, Sister Wendy, I would say this week, but with this hurricane thing, we don't know when, when it'll be. We're beginning to contact you to make the schedule back on that. Uh, for uh, nurseries, we'll be back operating on October 4th. Also, uh, as of today until October 4th, the nursery was used as a cry room. Now, if you have a child and you want to go back there, we have uh, the, it on TV. You won't miss the service or anything. So you could go back there as your child's crying and come back in once they, they, once they fall asleep and take a nap, right? You, you hold them. Amen. Uh, also, uh, October 4th, uh, Brother Mark says we're, he's going to start running the van to pick up people on Sunday morning if uh, you need a ride. So, but that'll be the first Sunday in October. Then also Wednesday nights, uh, we'll start again the first Wednesday in October, which is October 7th. So we'll be having our prayer meetings back on Wednesday nights, uh, youth and uh, the kids, kids club on Wednesday nights. That'll be starting October, sec October 7th, if everything goes well, okay? So we're kind of opening up with care. We know all schools are just getting back and everything. So if there's a big wave that comes back, we want to try and be safe. So, but we know we serve God and all those things. He is good. Amen. Uh, again, uh, this morning I, when we leave, both doors are open that you could get up, get out. Okay. So I just want to remind everyone, if uh, you're not able to make it to a service, you could actually watch our Sunday morning services live on the, on our Facebook channel. Uh, so I want to encourage you for that. Uh, that's the only place you could watch live, but we do have a YouTube channel, which is a uh, it's a Christian Fellowship Church, Pastor Scott Sherman. You could go back and watch the Sunday morning services, but it's not live. It's like this morning, it'll probably post up this afternoon or tomorrow that you could watch it, just in case you don't have Facebook. Uh, we also have a website, welcometocfc.com, where you could uh, watch the videos again. Uh, it should be posted up there sometime this afternoon, and you're also able to give uh, there. Uh, those of you that have children from 6 to 11 and you're not coming back right now, we, uh, New Generations is uh, streaming their services. Uh, this month's theme is uh, Block Party. There's all their information there, but you could go to New Generations um, Facebook page, and at 7 o'clock tonight, they're going to be showing their service this, from this morning. But kids can go in those services right now, ages uh, 6 to 11. The only thing we don't have is the, the nursery. Club 345 leaves right after worship service with Michelle. So again, I uh, just want to say happy birthday to anyone having a birthday between now and next Sunday. Anyone in here? Raise your hand. We just want to wish you happy birthday. None? Okay. What about anniversaries? What? <coughs> Joby, happy birthday. How old are you going to be, Joby? 33. All right. Good numbers there. 33. You got uh, 27 good years left. <laughs> Amen. Happy birthday. All right. Anyone else? What about anniversaries? Be an anniversary between now and next uh, Sunday. Diane done that with her hair, and I thought she was raising her hand at first. <laughs> so, all, right. <laughs> Amen. all right. Well, anyone on, online watching that you're having a birthday or anniversary this week, happy birthday and anniversary to you. All right. What we want to do is pick up our tithe and offerings this morning. Um, I was planning on having a basket in front of each aisle for us to uh, give today to speed up the uh, things as we're in phase three, but would you believe the post office has lost the baskets I ordered? They're somewhere between Theodore, Alabama and over here. So uh, 
Hopefully it'll make it here before next week, so we're going to just do the same thing with the one basket this week. Um, so uh, if you are not here this morning and you want to give, I want to show you how different ways you can. You could go to our website, welcome to cfc.com, and they'll have online giving. You could give securely there. You can mail it into the post office. It may get to us or not. I don't know these days. Uh, the post office box 1427, La Rose, Louisiana, 70373. Or it could be dropped off Monday between 9 and 2. That's how uh, tomorrow, uh, I hear the hurricane alert going off. Uh, so, yeah, if you have a phone, please put it on quiet or <laughs> vibrate. I don't know if that turns that part off or not. Um, uh, with with uh, the storm, we don't know how this week is going to work out. Uh, October, beginning of October, she will be here back Monday through Wednesdays. But me and Pastor Josh are here throughout the week anyway. If you see us here, you're more than welcome just to drop it off if you weren't able to do it then. Uh, one quick reminder, Brother Scott Crosby, him and his wife Marcy Crosby, uh, for Hurricane Laura, a tree fell on their house, busted a hole in their roof. Uh, he was in Mexico, uh, not Mexico, right on the Mexican border taking care of his mother at the time, and it rained all inside his house. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's almost like a mosquito. You know, you want to start swatting. Um, he... Him and Marcy do children's crusades all around the United States, but with COVID, everything got canceled this year. So they've basically been not able to do any of their crusades. They have an $8,000 deductible on their home, but they haven't had income this year. So we just want to try and bless them uh, to help them meet that $8,000 deductible. So if you want to help them, you could, you could send it in uh, online. We're going to try and mail him the check uh, this week. Um, so just in your offering, just put Hurricane Relief or Scott Crosby, and everything you give on that part will go to him to help him uh, meet that deductible. So uh, what we want to do is just uh, read a couple of scriptures for our tithe and offerings this week. Let me get ready here. This week, uh, we're, our scriptures are Second Chronicles 31.5. It says, As soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave the first fruits of, from their grain, new wine, olive oil, and honey, and all that the fields produced. They brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. And Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So if you would, just take your offering, hold it in your right hand, and repeat after me this morning. Say, as I give in today's offering, I bring the first fruits from all I have received from the hand of the Lord. The first fruits from my wages, the first fruits from my investments, the first fruits from any and everything I have. I give in thankfulness for the harvest. I have already reaped, and in faith, for the harvest I am going to reap. In Jesus' name we pray. So what we're going to do this week is this week's turn, uh, this side's turn this week. Uh, once we start, Alyssa starts playing, everyone on this side of the church, come up this side aisle. You can come up here, place the offering in the basket. Then we ask that you go back down the middle aisle and just keep making a, a constant circle that way. Then once this side's completely finished, I'll announce for this side to come up. Everyone comes up the side aisle, place their offering here, go down the middle aisle, and then you just make your way back to your seat 
going around there. All right, so if you would, this side, stand to your feet. Everyone, just let's just stand to our feet. We'll get ready to worship anyway. Stand to your feet. Uh, this side, if you want to come bring your offering, you're more than welcome. ready to worship the Lord this morning. Amen. <laughs> I was about to say, everybody go get another cup of coffee and wake up. Amen. Our call to worship this month is, uh, I had mentioned last week, it's, I got excited when I heard a certain part in this word, and this is, it's from uh, Hebrews 3.6, where it says, but Christ, the anointed one, is faithful as the Son of over God's house and we are his house look at your neighbor and say God is faithful uh, you could tell him with more enthusiasm than that tell him God is faithful look at your other neighbor and say God is faithful <laughs> he's a little more faithful than the enthusiasm we just had right there all right, so it says, but Christ is faithful as the son over God's house, and we are his house if we indeed, we, if we hold firmly. And I mentioned that last week. It says, if we hold firmly to our confidence and in the hope in which uh, we glory. I want to let you know that we may have a storm coming. Keep your eyes on him and hold on to your faith. Whatever storm you're facing in life, whatever it may be, if we just hold firmly. Now, this is what I'm going to tell you to tell your neighbor. Tell them, hold firmly because God is faithful. Hold firm. Shout it. Come on. Let's go, people. Hold firmly because God is faithful. Amen. Amen. Well, we need to work on that. <laughs> Amen. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer as we get ready to start uh, our worship service this morning. Father, we just come to you today. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today, Father God. As we come here to worship you and uh, hear your word this morning, Father, I just pray that your anointing would flow throughout this place, Father God. 
that you'd touch each and every person here or watching online or listening in the future, Father. Father, you know exactly what each and every one of us need in our life, Father God. You are more than able and more than capable of meeting each and every one of our needs, Father, as we live our life for you, Father. We just put our hands together this morning to worship you, Father. Not for what you could do for us, but for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone says, Amen, Amen. Let's put our hands together.
Just gonna keep singing until we believe it this morning. There's nothing. Father, we just long to be in your presence this morning. Lord, we just cry out to you. We praise you, Jesus. Father, we need your spirit, Lord. Let your spirit fall in this house.
Come on, church, let that be your cry this morning from your heart. Father, just meet with us this morning. Father, we are nothing without you in our life, Lord. And we just cry out to you, Lord, for your spirit to fall in this house this morning. Let that be your heart's cry this morning. We praise you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Father, let the scales fall from our eyes, Lord, that all we see is you, Lord. The enemy would just cause a fog to be around us, Lord. Father, and by your spirit, you just begin to part that fog. We begin to see clearly, Lord, when our eyes are focused on you, Lord. Father, help us to see you clearly, Lord Jesus. Father, you have never failed us in the past, Lord. Let us remember how faithful you have been in our lives, Lord, in the past. That we remember all the things you have done for us and not forget. Father, and your word is faithful. Your word will not return void. And if you have done it before, Lord, you will do it again, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Just begin to praise him as a church, as a one body, in unity. We begin to praise you, Father, that if you have done it before, you will do it again, Lord Jesus. You have not forsaken your children, Lord. If you've done it before, you will do it again. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Raise your hands and worship this morning. Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall, but you have never failed me yet. Your faithfulness 
God, your best praise this morning. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you this morning. We give you praise in Jesus' mighty and precious name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to go ahead and dismiss our children, three, four, and five, for their classes. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to take it out to the book of James, chapter 4 give you a little time to get there that's where most of our texts will be coming from and toward the very end of your bible it's only five little chapters so it's easy to thumb your way through it so i'll give you a time to get there oh there we go there's that mosquito again amen amen let's just go to the lord in prayer as we get started this morning Hey, Sister Kathy, she's up there. Oh, she's waving to Jessica. I thought you were waving to me. Oh, <laughs> amen. Uh, we, we have a message today entitled, Avoid, uh, Avoid Making Foolish Plans. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer as we start. Father, I just come to you today. I thank you for each and every person that is here today, Father God, all those that are watching online at this moment and in the future, Father. I pray that you just unveil our eyes that we may see and know you better, Father. Unveil our hearts that we may love you more, Father God, and allow your word to take uh, uh, root in our hearts, Father God. Open our ears that we're able to hear the truth this morning, Father God. Touch our minds that we could comprehend your word this morning, Father. And we thank you for that right now. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, and everyone says, Amen, Amen, Amen. Again, this message is entitled, Avoid Making Foolish uh, Plans, and plans, decisions, however you want to call it. I think if we all would look back on our life, we'd probably look back at some decisions we've made that we said, well, if I knew it turned out this way, 
I probably wouldn't have made that decision. How many would agree? If, if at least once in your life you said, well, you know, uh, now that I look back, I see that probably wasn't the right thing to do, although at the time it seemed like the perfect thing to do or the thing I should do. And that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight, uh, tonight, this morning, is that God has veiled our, the future to us, that we don't really see what goes on in the future, but we know the past. And we are to learn from the past, which helps us in future decisions, but there's always that thing of the unknown in the future. You know, when, we know he's coming back, but he doesn't tell us when. See, there's like a veil on the future. The, the past is clear. We, you know what day you were born, right? Isn't that clear? Or at least that's what my mama told me. I don't know if she was alive. December 28, 1966, right? You sure? I'm going to go check on my birth certificate. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we know the past clearly, but do you know the day you're going to die? You see, the future is veiled. We don't know all those things. God keeps it that way. Because reality, I'd say, I I thought about this question, if you could know the day you would die, would you want to know? That's that's a a hard question. You know, uh, because reality, if, if the date comes back 40 years from now, you may start living a very reckless life because of that. You see, with the future veil that we don't know, when you, when you walk into the, the, a graveyard, you see date of birth, a dash, which is your life, and date of death. You, you never know the date of death until that day comes. So God wants us to live that dash to the fullest of what He wants for our life. Because if we knew the end time, we'd probably live our life a little different. So God... Veils and an example I wanted to give this morning is think about when God Jesus revealed to his disciples that he was going to die on a cross. What happened? They all wanted him not to, and they began to try and almost talk him out of it. And uh, uh, Peter, even you know, never this will never happen, we'll never let this happen to you. But you see. It was God's plan and God's will for Jesus to die on the cross. And sometimes when we, if we know the future events, it's not what our mind would want to see. But how many of you know I'm glad that God went along with God's plan and not Peter's plan? Right? Although Peter's plan seemed great at the moment. Oh no, Jesus, I love you too much. I don't want things to happen to you. See, but he had to go to the cross. So sometimes God hides that future from us because we're, we would be scared to have it play out, but it would actually play out for the best. It's just that we wouldn't understand it at that moment. And so our future is kind of veiled, but our, our past is pretty clear. You know, uh, I call it the Monday morning quarterback, that, old, that saying, you know, that everybody's the perfect coach and perfect quarterback on Monday, once they look back at what happened on Sunday in the game, right? And that's what we were talking about, that we've made some decisions in the past that we probably wouldn't make again if we were facing that decision that day. So as we look back, it's easier 
going forward. Uh, again, the future is so veiled. I, I, was, I was looking up a few things this week. And um, 121 years ago, in 1899, now most of you are too young to remember 1899. Uh, I think Larry was the only one born that year. Uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> 121 years ago, in 1899, there was a man called Charles H. Duell. He was the commissioner of the U.S. Patent Office. Okay, so to be the commissioner of the U.S. Patent Office, patent offices where someone invents something and they fill out a patent that, you know, they're the only one that can make this and those things. So I'd imagine he's a pretty smart guy if he's holding the top spot in that office. Do you know in 1899-1921-1899-121-1921-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-121-
But before cell phones, it was strictly landlines, right? And, and it, even, even in the beginning, it was the, you had the dock. I, I seen a video of, of, within the last year, it was they, they took some kids these days, and they put them in front of an old rotary phone, and they told them, I need you to call this number, and they couldn't figure out how to, how to call. It, they struggled with, well, how you make this thing work? You know, again, it would be on the wall. You pull it and you have to spin each number back and forth. Then, then we went uptown when you had the push button phone, right? Those things. And then in the, uh, 1984, the first cell phone came out, but so expensive, not many people could afford it. In the 90s is when people started kind of getting the cell phones, but they were huge. They were the size of a regular phone. And the battery, it was like a, a big book that you carried around. It was touch-tone. That's all you did. There was no texting on it. There was nothing. This is just in the 90s. This is just 20 years ago. You'd, you'd push those buttons and, and do the things, and uh, it was you paid a certain amount a month, and you paid like 40 cents a minute for talking. That's how it was. You, you'd pay about a minute. And if you were in a roaming area, it was more. It could be like a dollar a minute talking on the phone. Just 20 years ago, how much things have changed. Thinking about in, in the set before the first cell phone, if someone would have told you, look, one of these days we're going to have a phone, and what we're going to do with that phone, look, we've got two of them right here. We're using phones to film live stream on an Internet system where people are watching it at home because of a phone. Listen, if you, in the 70s, that was Star Trek stuff. It was like in the few, oh, they never, no way. How much we don't know. And things, so it, what technology is, is increasing at an astronomical rate? It just keeps getting quicker and quicker. How many remember not having a microwave? It's, it's not that long ago. I was thinking about that. Try to go a week without using your microwave. You're going to notice how much you miss it, right? Even instant grits wasn't so instant back then. You had to take water, put it in, in a pot, and bring it to a ball. Now you just pour it in there, and three minutes later, you got grits. How much time has changed? What, what was the future? And like I was talking about the cell phone, you know, you, what do you... A phone, in those days, you, you had it on the wall and you would dial. What would, you, what would you have thought if someone would have said, hey, one of these days I'm going to be taking my phone, Kevin, smile, uh, taking your picture. <laughs> they would have called the white van with the two guys with the big net to come get you. But times have changed. We don't, can we admit we don't know what the future will hold? You see, and this is what I, my, my uh, thing is about, is talking about making foolish plans. <coughs> because reality is we don't know what tomorrow holds. So plans I make for myself become foolish if they're not the will of the Father. That, this is what this whole message boils down to today, is that anything I decide to do that doesn't include the will of the Father is a foolish plan. Now, let's look at a couple of verses of Scripture here. <clears throat> this is on your papers. Proverbs 19.21. Many are the plans 
in a man's heart. But it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Now, the Bible's not telling you not to make plans in your life. We, we need to plan things in our life. You know, we don't just live spur of the moment all the time, these things. But it's, it's telling us that you don't know the future. Only God knows what holds the future. It's his purpose that prevails. Again, when, when he, he revealed to his disciples that Jesus would die on the cross, God knew why. Jesus had to die on the cross. They did not understand why. Next, next verse says this, uh, Proverbs 16, 19. In their hearts, humans plan their course. We, we decide we want to make things, but he says, but the Lord is the Lord that, that establishes their steps. And this is what I want you to understand. We, we need to know that God does not serve us. We are here to serve God. Okay? God is not here to serve us, although he provides for us, he helps us, we pray to him, and all these things. But his purpose is not to exist so he can meet every desire and need of our will for our life. We are here to, to fulfill the will and purpose that he's created us for. So let's look at this verse here. We use uh, the first part of it in uh, our offering this morning. Jesus says, but seek first. What does that mean? If he's saying seek first, he's meaning priority. You, in priority and order. We need to not get this flip-flop. He says, seek first his kingdom, God's will, God's purpose, and his righteousness. And then he says, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, if you'd read before that, he was talking about people were just worried about where their next meal's coming from, what kind of clothes they're going to have, all the things that the wor- that's in this world. And he says, don't get it mixed up. You, instead of planning for those things, you need to plan for the will of the Father. And notice what he goes on to say next. He says, therefore, don't worry about what? Tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In other words, he's saying, you, you can make all these plans, but you don't even know what tomorrow is going to bring. How many of you know that people in Lake Charles right now? A month ago, they never thought their life would be like it is. Right? So we need to understand that our future is not guaranteed. So we have to be careful in what we do in life that because our plans can be very foolish when I make them excluding God. And, and let me just say it this way. Uh, when, when I say the word uh, atheist, everybody knows an atheist is someone who does not believe in God. But, but here's the thing. There are what is called an intellectual atheist. They reasoned in their mind that God doesn't exist, I haven't seen God at this, and because I have reasoned in my mind, I say God does not exist. But the good thing about them is at least they're honest. Okay? They're saying it. They're, they're honest. Um, what was her name? Marilyn O'Hare? Something like that. Was a well-known atheist who got prayer taken out of schools. The first Russian astronaut that went up in space, he says, I was up, in space, he said, I looked down upon the earth, I seen neither angels nor God. 
so I do not believe he exists. Again, at least both of them were honest. But in many pews and churches today, and all around the world, there are what is called a practical atheist. They say they believe in God, but they live like he doesn't exist. They live to fulfill their purpose and plan in life and not his purpose and plan for their life. Oh yeah, God exists, but I'm not living my life like he does. You see, that's where we have to be careful. Notice what, what it says here in Matthew 6, 19 21. This is a, a few verses before Jesus is speaking. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Again, what is he saying? You're getting things mixed up. Your focus and plans are more about these earthly things that are temporary and may be gone tomorrow. Then you're focusing on more of that than your heavenly father. He says where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He says, but store up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven. What is he talking about? Fulfilling God's will and purpose in your life, getting treasures in heaven, things that are important to God and God's kingdom. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. He says, uh, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in, in and steal. He said, verse 21, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he's telling you, I need you to examine yourself. Are you a practical Christian, a practical atheist? saying you believe in God, but you're more worried about your earthly comfort than heavenly gain? Are you living your life uh, according to God's word, or are you living it according to yourself? Another, another example. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, when they ate of the fruit, what happened? They decided to listen to outside influence, be careful what you listen to, who you listen to. Ungodly counsel. And they thought they were making a good decision. God said, don't eat of this fruit or you shall surely die. God knew that. They knew that. But they allowed outside influence to influence them to believe that, well, it probably ain't true. And what they thought was going to happen was, we will be more like God, which was true. You know the knowledge of good and evil, but then you're now subject to it. You see, when they were taking the bite, they were making a decision, a plan, thinking it was bettering themselves, but they had no regard for what God said. They were living to please themselves and their will and their plan with no regard for God. So in other words, they were living and made a decision like God did not exist. But guess what? You pay the price of your decision. Because God does exist. You may live your life like God doesn't exist, but the day is going to come when you're going to realize He exists. You see that Russian astronaut and Miss, whoever her name was again, uh, O'Hare, they both came to a day, I believe, when they died to realize that, you know what? We were wrong. (sighs) 
Jeremiah 29, 11, we've been talking about, we're going to touch on it again. Again, when this was written, the nation of Israel was in captivity in Babylon because they were not following the will of God in their life. God was telling them in the future, he says, For I know the plans I have for you, Israel. My plans for you are to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And that's, we love to quote that. We love saying that. But you have to realize when it was written. He's saying, my plan for you is to prosper, but you're in captivity because the problem was you weren't seeking my will. You were seeking prosperity. You were seeking all these things in life, and you walked away from me, and you made plans for yourself, and you walked away, and that's why you're in captivity. See, it is the Father's will that you, I believe, just like we as parents want nothing but the best for your children. Right? I believe God loves us more than we love our children. God has a love beyond our comprehension. So if we care for our children, our grandchildren, and want best for them, don't you think your Heavenly Father wants the best for you? The problem is when we start seeking the prosperity and making plans for the prosperity but leaving Him out. We want the results of serving Him and walking in His will, but we're not serving Him and walking in His will. Can you see that? Thinking the picture, they're in captivity, and God says, that's not where I want you. But you made poor plans. You made foolish plans. You made foolish decisions. You didn't follow what I wanted for you, so you're not having what you were desiring, the prosperity and a great life. Because you made your own plans for that instead of just walking in my will which produces that in your life. Okay? Does that make sense? Walking in the will of God will... Again, uh, many people say, oh, pray and bless this. God's blessing is where His will is. You cannot say, God bless this and it's not His will. God will not bless sin. God will not bless things out of His will. His blessing is where His will is. So if they would have been in His will, they would have already been experiencing the prosperity and things that He has. But instead of seeking first His kingdom, seeking Him, they were seeking those things. And then the things eluded them. They made foolish plans. Their plans were based on prosperity and getting instead of Plans of serving Him. Ephesians 2.10 For we are God's handiwork, created in Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us to do in advance. Advance to do. Think about that. He says that he knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He called you out for a purpose. He created for you for a purpose. Again, here in the Old Testament, we've just seen God has plans for the nation of Israel. Here it's more personal. It's to the believer. He says, I know the plans you are created in Christ Jesus. You've been saved. And you are here to fulfill God's will. The plans, the good works that who prepared for you to do? God. 
Now, when I, wa- I believe when the per- person walks in what God prepares for him, then the fruits of the prosperity and everything comes. But if my whole desire in life is to just walk in the prosperity, we want the benefits, but we don't want him. We want what his hand can give us, but we don't give him our heart. So what, what is a foolish plan? A foolish plan is a plan that is that any plan that does not focus on the will of the Father. When Jesus taught him how to pray, what did he say? Thy will be done, not mine. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we'll go to James now. James chapter 4, starting in verse 1. James is talking to a group of believers and he's talking about mistakes that believers were making back then. He's addressing these mistakes they're making and it's the same mistakes that we're making today that believers today are making. And in the John, uh, James chapter 4 verse 1, we'll see that it starts with people having indifference between each other, believers having trouble with other believers and all these things. And then it goes on to, as you read in the chapter, it gets to the believer having an indifference or things with God. So, so notice what, what it says here. <clears throat> Again, outlining uh, that when we make foolish plans, when our plans are just about us, and just about these things on the earth, and we exclude him out. We live our life as if he doesn't exist, although we say he does, these things will happen. Notice, this is to believers. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from what? Your desires that battle within you. The things you want. You know, he's saying that even the believers battling with each other is more about you and less about them. It's more about you and less about God. You're focused, we're, we're so inwardly focused that, that, it's, that we block everything else. In other words, we put ourselves on the throne. It's all about me. He says, these things come from your desires that battle within you. Verse 2 says... You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. Now, that doesn't just necessarily mean murder, but it does include that. But it, it destroys people. It kills friendships. It, we destroy, tear down each other, start talking about, uh, you know, murdering them with your tongue thing because you're not getting your way. And, and I always say, you know what? If God's Spirit, which is in us, His Holy Spirit is in us, and it's causing us to act and will according to his purpose, okay? If we're truly all fully given in to and being obedient to the Spirit of God and not our flesh, why do, is there arguments among believers? Because the Holy Spirit in me will not be in an argument with the Holy Spirit inside of the Spurge. We'll actually be in perfect unison. Right? So when we butt heads, it's probably both of us that is letting a little bit of the flesh override what the Spirit truly wants. Thank you, Steve Spurge. You've done good. <laughs> he says, You covet 
but you cannot get what you want. Noticing is it's all about self. A plan about self that excludes God. Now, we'll look into this in a second here. He says, notice what he says. You do not have because you do not ask God. Now, let's stop there for a second. So he's saying what we need in life, we should pray for and ask God. But he says you don't have because you do not ask God. Now, what is that telling you? Is they're making their own foolish plans of how to get what they want, doing it their way, leaving God out of the picture. But then look at what the next verse says. When you ask, he says, even if you do ask, you don't get because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on yourself. So he says, you got desires for these things in life, which is not going along that you're not looking for the Father's will and purpose in your life. You're trying to get ahead in life, trying to get in this, ahead in this world, and that's all you're focused on. That's all that's important to you. And you're living a way that, that you say God exists, but you live like He doesn't. You live like He doesn't have a plan for your life. And He says, when you can't get what you want, you, you ask, he says, you, it's because you don't ask, your plan's not working. So then you begin to ask him, but he doesn't give it to you because you're doing it for a selfish reason. Because it's all about you. It has nothing to do with the will of the Father. It has to do with the will of you. Verse 4, he says, you adulterous people... Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Now, that word enmity means uh, uh, a, 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 like a hatred, a mutual hatred. But uh, this is, it's not about hating the world as hating the world, uh, people in the world. For God so loved the world. God so loved the people. Every single human being is precious. But he's saying what they do, their behavior, their sin is what you don't approve of. Okay? The Word of God is the Word of God. You cannot take the Word of God and take out what you want to make it fit your life. You can't change God into the God you want Him to be. See, God is trying to change you into the servant He wants you to be. But we get stuck on trying to change Him into the God I want Him to be. It doesn't work that way. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an what? Enemy of God. In other words, if, if you're just so focused on the things of this world, you're approving of all the things in this world, and all your plans are to get prosperity, and that's all it's all about, and all this thing, he says, you're an enemy of God. You're not fulfilling the purpose God has placed you here on earth. James 4, 13, we'll jump down to verse 13. And in your Bible, you'll notice that you probably got a title on this that's saying boasting about tomorrow. And again, as we were talking about earlier with all those scriptures, it's talking about uh, tomorrow is uncertain. We make our, all these plans, but we're not even guaranteed tomorrow. We don't know. I pray that this nothing happens to anybody with this storm. But we don't know. We honestly don't. 
So no, notice what it says. It says, now listen. This is the people speaking. It says, now listen. In other words, we got an urgency here. We got a plan. We got our plan made. This is an unwise plan, he's telling them, or a, a foolish plan. He says, you who say, now uh, several versions of, of the Bible use, instead of uh, this NIV says, we will. Many of them say, I will. Okay, but, but it's talking about a person's plans, not God's plans. Now, notice how it goes on. He says, today or tomorrow. In other words, we, got, we constructed a plan here. He says, now listen, we're doing this now. Today or tomorrow, here's our plan. We will go uh, to this city, uh, to this or that city. So you've chosen the place. You got that down. He says, we'll spend the year there. This is how long it's going to take. Listen to, listen to my plan I'm making. Many are the plans in a man's heart. But it's the Lord that <coughs> uh, derives your steps. Notice it says this. Uh, you spend the year there, the time's calculated. He says, I'm going to carry on business and do what? Make money. The purpose revealed. You see, he's saying, you're so concerned. You all have been so concerned. Again, he's talking to believers, making foolish plans. All you're worried about is gaining these world things. And you're missing what your father wants for you. You're missing what your father has for you. And again, I truly believe that when you're walking in the will of the father, his blessings will follow. The problem is we're, too many people just focus on what the blessings would be. And that's what, that's what he's saying here. You're making your plans for selfish reasons because you're more worried about your comfort than anything else in this world. And notice with verse, verse 14 what he tells him. In other words, that was about a foolish plan, he says. Why you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. How can you say you're going to spend a year there? You're making a foolish plan that you have no idea God's will isn't in it. You have no idea what's going to happen. How you could say you're going to go to that town? How you know you won't break down? How you know your camel won't break a leg? It says, why you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow? Then he goes on to say, what is your life anyway? you thinking you have a year left. He says, you are a mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes. He's saying, who's guaranteeing you got a year? You see, you're making a foolish plan on an assumption that you got a year. You're living your life like you know the future, but you don't. Verse 15, he says, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. You see, we need to find his will and live and walk in his will. Not live our life as if he doesn't exist and doesn't have a plan and purpose for our life. Verse 16, he says, as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, your prideful, arrogant schemes. You think you got it made. You think you got the bull by the horns. You think you got it all figured out. But at a snap of a finger, everything you worked for your whole life could be gone. Ask the people in Lake Charles. 
you might have had your retirement all planned and all this thing and it's all wiped out. You have no idea what the future holds. He says, all such boasting is evil. Verse 17, if anyone then knows the good, now notice how he turns this around, if anyone knows then the good they ought to do and does not do it, it is sin for them. In other words, he's saying, if you know God has a will and purpose for your life and you choose not to follow his will and purpose, that you choose to follow your plans for your life, it is counted as sin against you. Why do you think the Bible says we're going to give an account for every deed and thing we do? You see, our plans will fail because we we fail to grasp the complexity and uncertainties of this life. I pray everyone makes it home safe today. Anyone ever got in a car accident? Raise your hand. When you woke up that morning, did you say, hey, I'm going to go in a car accident today? Came out the blue. Instant. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know these things. We fail to think about how how uncertain life is and how complex this world is because somebody your wife your husband your child can make a decision in their life that you have no control over and it totally changes your life it's very complex this world and uncertain but again, notice uh, in the, the first few verses, as I was mentioning, they're saying, we will do this, we will do this. But it's the I wills that I want you to... Uh, it's thinking about, uh, in other words, I will do, we will do what we want to do, what we have planned. Have you ever heard something like that in the Bible going on? Let me show you where in Isaiah chapter 14 is speaking about Satan. Lucifer in heaven, he says, you said in your heart, Many are the plans in where a man's what? Heart. You have, means that you don't even have to say it out loud. God looks at the heart. He knows what's in there. He knows what's in there better than you know what's in there. He said, he said in your heart, you said in your heart, I will. Listen, Lucifer was God's greatest beautiful angel he created in charge of leading worship to God God had a great plan for Lucifer's life but he decided to follow his plan and his will it says this I will ascend to the heavens here's that saying again I will raise my throne above the stars you know why he was saying this because he was living as although he knew God existed He was living thinking there are no consequences the way I live my life. I will sit enthroned on the mountain of the assembly on the uttermost heights of uh, Mount Zaphon. I I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself my plans. What a foolish plan he had. But in his mind it was going to be great. You see, when we make our plans, it could seem great and we could see it's bulletproof. 
But if it's not the will of the Father, you're going to have a lot of holes in your boat and it's going to sink fast. It says, I will send above the, the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are, but then it says, but you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the uh, depths of the pit. You see, he wanted to lift himself up, but God threw him down. Jesus laid himself down and God raised him up. You hear me? God opposes the proud, but he lifts up the humble. God, when you want to do it yourself, God will take you down. But when you lay yourself down, you get on your knees before him, he'll bring you up and lift you up. See, God has a wonderful plan for your life. And yesterday I was sitting down thinking, remember that old saying, what would Jesus do when all the bracelets came out? I was just thinking about that. And then I just had this thought. How much different would Jesus live my life if he was in my place? Think about that. If Jesus would come and take your place in life right now, would he be living it different than you are? I think we all could say, yeah. But that tells us how sometimes we need to reevaluate life and realize what's important in life. That's why Romans 12, 1 and 2, we'll close with this, says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of that how God has put mercy and grace in your life, in view of how God is not wanting to punish you for your sins, that he wanted Jesus Christ to carry your sins on the cross, in view of all that he's done for you, he says, what I want you to do is to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, as you live your life, live it for him. To, to complete his will and purpose for your life. To offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. He says, this is your true and proper worship. You do not, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, changed, by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So think about here, again, to believers. It says his will for your life is pleasing to him and perfect will, what he has in mind for you to do. Don't get caught up in the world and forget him. Don't be a practical atheist on a church pew saying he exists but living like he doesn't. Don't live like he doesn't have a purpose for your life. Include him in every decision you make. Let's stand to our, our feet as we close in prayer. Father, I just come to you this morning. And Father, I just pray that your spirit has stirred up inside each and every one of us, Father God. Those things or plans are in our areas in our life that may not be totally submitted to you right now.
Father, I just pray that you help us see those things. And, Father God, that we'd put you in charge of every area of our life, Father God. That we no longer seek just our will and happiness, Father God, but that we seek your will. That thy will, your will be done in our lives, not ours. Father, as we lay down our lives today, Father, we pray that you would move. Soften each and every heart this morning, Father God. Strengthen us, Father God, to walk, Father God, as you would want us to, not as the world tries to make us deviate to their decisions and their plans and their things, but that we're able to be a strong voice for you in this world, that we could be a light among the darkness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've never accepted the Lord as your personal Savior, you're watching online or you're in here today, I just want to invite you to do that today, knowing that Jesus went to the cross, that God loved you so much that he sent his son on the cross to die for your place, to, that your sins could be forgiven and you could have a relationship with him. So just say this simple prayer with me today, but meaning it from your heart. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I admit that I fall short in many areas of my life, but I believe that you love me so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins and I receive the gift of salvation right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. We love you. God bless you. Uh, please pay attention to the authorities on storms if you need to evacuate and things. We'll be praying, praying for you. You pray for us that this storm would just dissipate and go nowhere. Amen. In God's will. Amen. God bless you. We love you.